Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. So the title of this podcast is Final Destination, not to be confused with the movie, What we mean by this is that there's never a last time until the last time you do anything. Supernatural limits can be pushed to the max until we can't come back from them. But more often than not, we like to tempt fate for the thrill of seeking out what can be hiding out there. Hiding within the unexplored parts of our minds and even inside the digital sphere in the palm of our hands. We all keep pushing further and further, subconsciously hoping to find our final destination. First, flying high on the thrill of a final score. Next, seek the Grave Watcher and you shall find your end. After that, a reading of the Russian sleep experiment by Anonymous. And finally, a warning from the ghost in the machine. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com slash snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary at snarled.com. And if you'd like to support Something Scary, consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, you can help the show and also be a part of it. Hear your name featured in a story on the podcast or weekly video and see ad-free episodes. For more information, visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Final score. In the real world, there's no honor amongst thieves, especially when it's their final score. Joe and Mike had been a bad influence on each other since high school. And when neither could hold down a job, they devised a vicious scam to make some easy money. Find someone old and get in and out of their house as fast as you can with whatever loot you can carry. Joe told Mrs. Grantham some sob story about car trouble to get invited into her home. Once inside, Mike asked to use the phone while Joe kept her busy talking. He surveyed the living room as the old lady rambled on. The place smelled like mothballs and was cluttered with a long lifetime's worth of junk. But then Joe noticed the wooden box on the mantel. It was beautiful. Ornate carvings of winged creatures danced along each side of the small chest. 
An iron latch held it shut. Maybe there was something valuable inside. Maybe. I see you found the family coffer, came a voice from out of nowhere. Joe had forgotten about Miss Grantham. She'd been talking the whole time, but none of that mattered until she mentioned the box. What's inside? Joe asked. I couldn't tell you. It's sealed shut. Been in our family for years. Grandma used to say it was cursed, protected. The old lady traced her fingers over the box as she spoke. See the insects on the sides? Joe scoffed. They look like moths. Moths are harmless. Harmless? The old lady chuckled. Young man, there's a species of moth in Britain that feasts on human skin. Other species are so incredibly toxic, their touch will shut down your respiratory tracts and cause anaphylaxis. Harmless appearances can often be deadly. Miss Grantham then smiled and left the room. Quickly, Joe grabbed a tote bag hanging by the door and stuffed the box inside. He whistled for Mike, their signal that it was time to go. They drove back to Mike's rundown apartment to divvy up the loot. Joe had to use a hammer and screwdriver to force open the latch. And once opened, a lone moth fluttered out of it. Joe shuddered as he recalled the old woman's stories of deadly moths, but quickly forgot when he saw the six large diamonds inside the box inlaid into a much larger carving of some sort of moth god. The two men couldn't believe it. This kind of score could have one of them set for life. They argued. Neither wanted to share the diamonds with the other, and soon things turned violent. Joe was much bigger than Mike, though, and he always carried a knife. He'd never heard anyone scream like that, and there was way more blood than he expected to. He didn't mean to kill his friend, but now Joe knew he had to get away quickly before someone called the police, because they would want the diamonds too. He threw the bag carrying the box into the back seat and hit the highway. He was tired, but he couldn't rest until he reached the state line. Joe jumped as he felt something crawling on his arm. Another mom, or was it the same one from the box? He shook his arm and it fluttered away. He then felt another one crawling on his neck and frantically swatted at it. Another one flew into his face and the car swerved as he tried to brush it off. Where were all these bugs coming from? Clicking noises erupted behind him. He looked back and saw the backseat was writhing with hundreds of moths, all pouring out of the bag containing the box. The wings brushed every exposed inch of his skin. Moths landed and crawled inside his clothes. He screamed, and the car swerved again, crashing into the guardrail. Tires blew out as he skidded to a sudden stop. He reached into the mass of bugs to find the bag, and then staggered out of the car as the swarm poured into the sky. He screamed again. He knew the car was useless, and started down the road towards the next exit. He'd find another car to steal and make his getaway. Joe had the diamonds, so everything was fine. When he heard clicking yet again, he fearfully expected to see the horde of moths following him, but when he looked up, he only saw one lone moth high in the sky in front of the full moon. However, that moth's silhouette grew and eventually eclipsed the moon. The breeze started to become a wind. 
Joe realized this was no ordinary bug and it was heading right for him. He turned and ran. The clicking grew closer. Joe cried out as he realized he had dropped the bag with the diamonds somewhere along the way, but they suddenly didn't matter anymore. Only surviving mattered. The wind became a gust and the clicks a thunderous roar as something huge grabbed him. Joe tried to keep running, but his feet no longer touched the ground. He turned to stare into the gaping maw of a man-sized moth. Its spindly, hairy legs wrapped all around him as its massive wings pushed them higher into the night. The last thing Joe felt was the moth's first bite. The next morning, Miss Grantham found her family's cursed coffer back on the mantle where it belonged, waiting for the next person foolish enough to try and steal it. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Set your eyes on a pit stop haunt and you may end up at the mercy of the grave watcher. Like in this story inspired by Zoe. There is a town far from the bustle of the city, away from the cars, the factories, and the traffic. A place where many people are too busy to care about anything outside of their borders. West of the town, deep within the forest, rested the graveyard. It was the landmark the town was known for, mostly due to its reputation for being haunted, thereby making it a tourist magnet. However, no one visiting ever stayed long. And the people of the town knew better than to question any disappearances of those foolish enough to stay overnight in the graveyard, for they feared what lurked in the cemetery's depths. They called it the Grave Watcher. This creature was not entirely human, nor was it an animal. It was the corpse of a man that stalked through the graveyard, making sure no grave robbers stole from the dead. Its mouth was filled with rotting, damaged teeth. Its eyes, nothing but empty, bloody sockets, and its flesh was rotted. Its grotesque bones showing in different areas and jangled with crunching sounds as it sniffed around for the life that ran from it. It was fast, its senses keen, and would feast on the visitors who'd get exactly what they were looking for. No one knew where the Grave Watcher came from. The most popular story figured that it was an old graveyard keeper, hostile and volatile towards any possible graveyard robbers. Back in the olden days, when he was alive, they say that the townsfolk were amazed at his bravery and determination in keeping these robbers at bay. 
Many asked what they would do when he died. He'd slowly smirk and vow, I won't pass on. I'll stay here, even in death. No one else can do this job the way I do it. Years later, he died and was buried in that very graveyard. That night, hours after his funeral, two grave robbers snuck into the graveyard. Now that the old graveyard keeper was gone, they could loot as many graves as they wished. The next day, however, the robbers were found in the graveyard lying in two open coffins. Their faces mutilated beyond recognition, and their hearts were torn out of their chests. Most of their skin and bones were missing as well. No killer was ever found. Three nights later, a woman claimed to see a corpse walking through the graveyard as she passed by. But just so you know, although there are good intentions from the grave watcher, it cannot tell the difference between a mourning visitor and a grave robber. So even those visiting their deceased loved ones resting in the graveyard can fall victim to the grave watcher if they are to visit the graveyard after dusk. Many find their end this way, like the foolish tourists looking for haunting proof under the moon's light and the lonely widows who seek to be reunited with their beloveds. Both invite a swift and grisly death at the hands of the grave watcher. Thank you so much for inspiring this story, Zoe H. So for our listeners out there, have you ever visited any haunted pit stops and sites? Maybe some haunted ghost tours? It tends to be very popular, and I'd love to know if any of you have any recommendations for any haunted pit stops and sites to go on uh, once we are able to move about a bit more freely. Let us know which ones, and if, when you went, you saw something supernatural occur. Something scary at snarled.com. And now, a final destination towards freedom in our reading of the creepypasta The Russian Sleep Experiment by Anonymous, inspired by a suggestion from A.G. July 8, 2012. Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them. They had only microphones and five-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on but no bedding, running water and toilet, and enough dried food to last for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised, falsely, that they would be freed if they submitted to the tests and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones and one-way mirrored portholes. Oddly, they all seemed to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. 
The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather, didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart, smeared page after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. The researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers announced, We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase and a calm voice respond. We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air, and immediately, voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened, and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever, and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive. The food rations past day five had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth as the researchers initially thought. Closer examination indicated that most, if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the ribcage of all four test subjects had been removed. While the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place, the skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the ribcage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working, digesting food. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh, that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on, lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured, and he bled out almost immediately. He continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word more over and over, weaker and weaker, until he finally fell silent. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords continuously begging for the gas, demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. 
In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative. He fought furiously against his restraints when the anesthetic gas was brought out to put him under. It took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under, and the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had tripled the normal level of oxygen. The second survivor had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed, he was unable to beg or object to surgery, and he only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthetic gas was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested, reluctantly, they try the surgery without anesthetic and did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon presiding stated, repeatedly that it should be medically possible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well, although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation. The surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. Once paralyzed, the subjects could only follow the attending researchers with their eyes. The moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, and why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only one response was given. I must remain awake. All three subjects' restraints were reinforced, and they were placed back into the chamber awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected but were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point, all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Having been the first to be wired for EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brainwaves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined, inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering from brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of a deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brainwaves showed the same flat lines as one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside as well as three researchers. One of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point-blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to a bed as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with these things. Not with you, he screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you? he demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? 
the subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out. So nearly free. Thank you, AG, for sending this creepypasta suggestion. This was a very disturbing story. I know from personal experience that lack of sleep really does mess up your perception of the world around you. I did not go 15 days without sleep, but I have gone three days without it. And it was not an experience that I wanted to repeat. Besides the usual difficulty with being able to concentrate and fatigue and constant exhaustion, it literally felt like the world was slipping down into the ground and I had to keep on looking at parts of it to stop it. But whenever I'd look away, the world would slip again. Let us know some of your favorite anonymous creepypastas. Email them to us, something scary at snarled.com. There's more lurking within technology's code than we'd like to think, like a ghost in the machine, in this story inspired by Gia. I'm not afraid of technology. I'm not. But it weirds me out. Growing up, watching paranormal stuff on YouTube repulsed me. And yet, I was still drawn to it. No matter how many times I stopped watching, I would always go back. But now, I can't. Not because I don't want to, but because my life depends on it. Any device I would use glitched like crazy. I'd take photos of videos and I'd always see a dark blur in the background. At first I thought it was a burn mark on the phone from the screen, but no, with each picture I'd take, it would only come closer. Even if I was messing with one of my friend's gadgets, it would have the same weird malfunction and that figure's face would come into clearer view. My friends said that there was nothing wrong with my devices or theirs. They didn't see it. So I figured that this was only happening to me, and I was just imagining it. Now that I think of it, I've always felt compelled to accept this strange fact so easily. Until one day, something so horrible happened, my life changed forever. It was just a normal day. I was staring at my phone screen as it glitched, unleashing a flurry of images like a flipbook of a face veiled with greasy hair, a video began to autoplay and the figure stepped closer and I heard my name being whispered. I tried to hold the phone to my ear, but it screeched like a dial-up noise in my ear. I helped the restart button as a blurry face shrieked in the static and the screen went black. My mind overflowed with conspiracy theories. Was I somehow a conduit between the beyond and the technology in my hand? After putting my phone in my backpack, I didn't turn it on all day. Not until I was done with band practice after school did I dare look at it again. With a deep breath, I switched it back on. And when I did, the static noise returned and made my ears ring. I tried to close out of the glitch screen and my flashlight began to shine on and off. I swung the flashlight around. The sound seemed to get louder. Frustrated, I flung the phone away from me and it landed face up 
undamaged before me. The crackling, shrieking static was louder than ever now. I stared in horror and disbelief. A gnarled, decaying hand reached out from the screen. Its long, yellow fingernails were caked with dried blood, its skin papery thin, barely keeping together. When I tried to move away, its bony fingers wrapped around my ankle. I couldn't pull away from it, and it began to climb out, using me as an anchor to our world. The creature rose bit by bit out of the screen, pulling itself out while pulling me down. I struggled to free myself from its grasp, but to no avail. As it climbed over me, I felt myself getting sucked inside my phone as the creature rose out of the screen. I hit the screen. I was encased inside my phone, looking out at the world I used to exist in. Through the glass, I could see it, look around. It had greasy brown hair matted across its scalp. Its eyes were pupilless and bloodshot. Its nose was crudely bent at an unnatural angle, dripping with blood. On its face were lips peeling off to reveal rotten, pointed teeth. It was wearing a white dress, now torn to rags, a white dress which once might have been beautiful. The last thing I saw was this disgusting, horrifying animal snarling and running off into the night. Now I'm stuck in my own phone, waiting for the right moment to spring upon the next person who dares pick up this phone. It's been so long. It feels like it's been so very long. But here you are now, listening to me on a device. So you here, coming closer, heating up your technology. I'm connected now to your phone, your computer. Everything's on the same network. Keep listening to me. I'm coming for you. This week's podcast stories were edited by Marquia McCarty, Sabina Graves, Justin Kennedy, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Marquia McCarty. Audio edited by Fitz Harris and Calvin Linderman. Graphics by Johnny Ashley and Mari Carlson. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.